Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Dak Talk. Um, I'm going to kind of skip the tagline because we're, we're not really talking to game devs or um, anything like that. And it's not that my wife is not interesting. She definitely is. I appreciate that. <laughs> but um, we're, we're kind of here to cover something that me and her both had to go through recently, more her than me. But um, so if you follow me, on Twitter, you you may have noticed that I've been sort of over the last week or so, I've been kind of angry or lamenting about uh, something that I haven't said much about. And to just say what that is now is uh, the mental health system right now because, and, and I don't know if it's just us over here. I'm not going to say where here is because for all I know, it's just people really trying to do their job well. But I was very unhappy with how things went. I was very angry. It kind of caused me a little bit of a mental breakdown, to be honest. But um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Ashley? Hey, I'm <laughs> Ashley. Uh, this is my beautiful wife. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so to kind of lay out the timeline here, um, I'm, I'm really just I'm going to kind of say what happened from my point of view first, and then I'm just she's going to take the reins on the whole thing. Well, before you begin, sure. Um, I just wanted to point out that even though our experience might sound bad or however you take it, if you need help, absolutely get help. Right, right. And I think we're talking, I, I mean, obviously, in, in any case, but what happened to us, we feel like should have happened to like your extreme cases of people who are really trying to hurt themselves who are really, you know, and, and, and I do understand that you have to be careful with, with people. Uh, who have, you know, thoughts of suicide, even if they don't intend to act on them. I understand that completely. Um, but to to break it down, uh, in short, my wife was put on suicide watch, and then it just went further from there, but I will let her, her handle that uh, explanation. So uh, last th <laughs> Thursday before last, um, me and, and my buddy were streaming the Let's Go Eevee stuff like we do every Thursday. And uh, my wife was supposed to be going to see sort of like a, a general doctor and, and kind of get checked into that um, f facility, <laughs> I guess. No, I was uh, just office, trying to... Office, office. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, holy cow. <laughs> um, we, we, we both see the same doctor and she was trying to find a psychiatrist to just kind of help her with with stabilizing her mood and, and her thoughts and, and such as well as maybe some other things that could potentially help her life and it's what 8 40 something and we go ahead and cut the stream because i'm worried uh, her mom's calling me worried because we can't get a hold of her um whereas you know an hour or two before that um i had she had sent me like a text about her getting a police escort to uh, like a hospital. And I was like, oh, okay, I mean, that's kind of weird. But uh, so, yeah, it's late. I can't get a hold of her. No one can get a, can get a hold of her. And my car is 30 minutes away in um, another town. And so I'm kind of freaking out like, where's my wife? What's going on? <laughs> you know? And so I, not knowing what else to do, and acknowledging I'm not the smartest man in the world, um, <laughs> I drive all the way over to where the office was, and lo and behold, my car is still there. So uh, I'm <laughs> a little, you know, a little more worried, really, 
uh, call 911. They say, hey, have you tried to call the hospital? I said, you know what? I sure haven't. I will definitely try to do that. So I call them, come to find out she's on suicide watch. And I'm like, okay, what, how does this even work? You know, I'm, um, I worry about things that I'm unclear about. I worry about things I don't understand or can't control. That That's who I am. So I do manage to get a hold of, of Ashley, and she kind of tells me what's going on. And unfortunately, what's going on is pretty vague. It's like, oh, I might get out tomorrow. I might get out later than tomorrow. Okay, how long is later? I go home, and I, and I kind of do some research on it just to kind of see what people have said. And it's like, okay, three to five days, maybe longer, depending on how bad it is. And the entire time, uh, no one really gives me or anyone else sort of a clear-cut answer of what really to expect. Um, And I'm sure like a reasonable person hears three to five days and they say, okay, well, you know, I'll just live life for a week and and deal with that. But here's the thing, I'm not reasonable. (laughs) um, I'm kind of an introvert and so it really sucks. And I'm sure anyone who's happily married knows this, but it really sucks just losing your spouse involuntarily involuntarily through one way or another um and then not knowing when they're coming back so uh yeah that that is more or less uh kind of where my point of view ends uh and to to sort of make you guys know exactly what i'm angry about is the fact that no one contacted me evidently she gave them the wrong number because she didn't know it off the top of her head my thing is why didn't they make sure and why couldn't they have made sure and i never got an answer on this so I was very upset with this and I was upset with some other stuff that she will cover and we will talk about, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. All right. So I went in as a first time visit to this doctor. It was actually the nurse practitioner, but I'm just going to refer them to as a, refer to them as a doctor for now. Um, so she was actually pretty cool. She was pretty thorough and One of the reasons I went in there, as James mentioned, is I was kind of concerned about my mental state. I had been having ideas of suicide, but they were completely, I had no intention behind them. They were just things that came up in my head that I wanted to get control over. I'm in no way a terrible case. I've never had any kind of problem with hurting myself or anything like that. It was just little bitty things. And I explain this to the doctor, and she gets pretty concerned, probably because I said the S word. And What's the S word, Ashley? The S word is suicide. But she gets pretty concerned, and I, uh, I just expressed that I wanted to go to a psychiatrist, and she kind of agrees. She says that I really need to go to one soon, even. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And we proceed with the rest of the visit. They pull some blood for labs and stuff. And when I get back into the room, she asks me, do you want to go today? And, you know, to me, that sounds like, hey, that she found someone that will take me in today and I can go ahead and talk to someone today. That'd be awesome. So I say, yeah. And she sends me through a little questionnaire. And at the end of it, she says, okay, I have to call a police to escort you to the hospital. And right there, it, it's already sounding kind of weird to me. And I say that, um, I don't think it's that necessary. I'm not that bad off. And she kind of jumps on me a little bit. She's like, you just said you wanted to go today. And 
I guess it kind of overwhelmed me because it was her and another intern student and they were both on me like, ooh, okay, yeah, sure, I'll go. Or like angry, just like insistent. Yeah, yeah, they they weren't bad. They they just, yeah, it was just pushy is the best statement for that. Right. And so they call the police and she shows up and she tells me to wait because apparently got to wait on an ambulance too. Eventually the ambulance gets there and um, the people for the ambulance are just like, this is a 1013. You're supposed to take her. And there are people who know what a 1013 is. I did not. I do not know, or I did not know at all what a 1013 was prior to this event. As far as I knew, it was just police has to take person with ideas to a hospital because liability or something. That's all I knew. So police drives me up to the hospital and I get put into the uh, mental ward of the emergency room. And it's, it's a rather depressing little area because it's like, it's like there's a way in, which is two doors, because of course they're going to be careful with mental people. And from there, there are like cubicles. And I get put into one of them. And all I can see are the three walls behind me. And in front of me, there was like a nurse station. It was really just the text to watch over the people who might be a little off. And then also there was a door that I was looking at. And somebody explained to me that that was the solitary room. And I'm just told to wait. Eventually, a doctor does come in and see me. I don't know if they were a psychiatrist. I just know that they were apparently a doctor. And so he asked me a couple of questions. And you're going to get about, like, if you go through this, you might get the same exact questions that I got. It's like the same, like, five or six of them. It's, um, why are you here? Do you have any ideas of homicide or suicide or just harm? Um, have you taken any med or any medications lately? And do you drink? And there might have been a couple more. That's where it gets a little fuzzy that I, I can't remember exactly which one it was. I just remember that there were a few more. And they go through the questions and he says, okay, we'll get you to, fa- to a facility soon. Why do I need to be put into a facility? And for those of you who don't know, this is what the professionals call inpatient care. Mm-hmm. There's inpatient, outpatient, uh, and then like some lesser known ones mm-hmm. uh, that are just kind of really, you know, easy going, whatever. And another thing about this trip was almost as soon as I walked into the hospital, the ER, they took my phone. I did not know that I would not have my phone at this time. And I didn't know if I would get it back. I just did not know. That's how come no one really got an answer from me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, 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 that, that was the catalyst that sort of launched everybody on the outside into sort of panic mode, I guess. Mm -hmm. I was just told I can't have my phone and it was kind of taken away from me before anyone told me that you wouldn't be having your phone for a while. Five days to be exact. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm told 
to just basically wait. And all I have is a recliner. And it's kind of stripped down. That's it. I don't get a bed or anything. And I didn't think I'd need one until I realized they're not finding anyone for me. So I ended up spending over 24 hours in this recliner. Just having the the text in front of me to talk to or something. I'm not allowed to really do anything. I just sit there and there was a TV that was on, but I mean, it's TV. I don't, I'm a kind of person that likes to work with their hands a lot. I wasn't even allowed to have like a pen and paper. Now granted, you know, suicide watch. I I understand the extremes there. I do too. It's for me, it's, it's everything that happened after that. Because mm-hmm. suicide watch to me was just like the nurse making sure that blood was not in her hands kind of deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what that seemed like to me. Yeah. Um. So, but there's a lot of stuff that happens there alone. So I had the one doctor come in and ask me questions. And then I had a social worker come in and ask me questions. And it's the same questions. And again, I answered them to the best of my ability. Because I, I hadn't been taking anything up to that point. And I maybe drink a beer a week at worst. Mm-hmm. And... Then I had another doctor come up, and I don't even think he asked me questions. He just kind of said, we're going to find you a facility soon. And these are all like maybe four or five hours apart. And so I'm just sitting around waiting for something. I don't even know what I was waiting on besides they're going to get you in a facility. And as far as I know, a facility is just, hey, we're trying to find a psychiatric hospital for you. And in this process, of course, there are some events going on. Um, we hear a woman come in who was just screwed up in the head on meth. Mm. Yeah, and she she just wasn't right at all. And I'm like, I'm not like that. Like, she needed help. She really needed help. Right. I don't. And then where I was sitting, I explained that there's this door in front of me to the solitary room. Soon after I got there, they had someone else go there. All I know is that he was a guy. That's really all I know. And at some point, um, he was doing something with a blanket. I don't know what. I really couldn't see into this room. I just know he was doing something. And so they got police in there to pull the blanket away. And it was sat like right in front of the door that I was looking at. And that was it for a minute. And then suddenly he was doing something with the chair. Can't see anything, so I just know that it was with the chair. So they, once again, went through the door, pulled the chair out, and that. Now, there were two doors to this room. One of them was bigger, one was smaller. The one I was looking at was the bigger door, but they didn't actually like to use it except to remove things. Um, The smaller door was the one that they would actually go through to talk to the guy and stuff. And um, at some point, this is like maybe, maybe 12 at night or in the morning. Yeah, it was dark out. Not that I could tell. I just knew what time it was. (laughs) And there was a tech who was just kind of cleaning up. He was kind of taking the trash and stuff. And he walks into the door that I can't see. And the girls in front of me that were the techs watching me, they turn around and they start screaming for help. And these are older women. Like, they're just there to babysit is all they're doing. And they start screaming for help. And, um, I don't like hospitals because of these kinds of things. He had gotten violent. He pulled that tech in and started beating him. Really? Yeah. And, um, 
I didn't see any of this. This is just what I was understanding. Um, the text couldn't even talk to me about this kind of thing. Kind of thing. This is just what I was picking up. He had gotten violent, and um, there were police called. It was a really bad incident, and I'm just there. I'm already terrified of hospitals, and now there's possibly someone getting horribly like mangled basically in front of me and if they had to pull someone out it was going to be through the door that I was watching I couldn't do that like at some point I even asked if I could pull this curtain around me and they weren't allowed to let me do that because you know I'm a, I'm a mental patient <sighs> and and the more you are talking about stuff like this and just knowing you like yeah I, I know you suffer from depression but I mean I'm <laughs> not not to downplay depression, but a lot of people do, and it's it's not often as bad as what I'm hearing right now. This is the first time I've heard about this. Yeah. And um, pretty like, pretty much the constant question throughout this entire process was, why is she there? Yeah, like I have someone who's screwed up in the head over here to my right, basically, and then someone who's violently mental in front of me. And I'm here with just a mild case of, I don't want to feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. I even had a guy to my left who had been in there for maybe a day. I was at the hospital, all of that? Mm-hmm. Right. This was all at the emergency room. Had a guy to my left. And given, I can't really see these people. Like I said, it's like a cubicle area. Yeah. At some point, a doctor comes to see him and he's just like, yeah, I don't feel like hurting myself anymore. And almost hours later, he's gone. So could you have just said that? No. He wasn't there on suicide watch. He wasn't 1013 He had just gone there because he felt suicidal. So what's the difference? A 1013 a No, no, no. I mean between you and him. The, I don't know. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, all I know is that he wasn't 1013 He had just gone in there because he felt bad. 1013 is apparently a doctor says you have to be watched. And it's 1013, I don't think, is straight up suicide watch because you can be 1013 for a catastrophic event. If you're in, if you or anyone around you is in danger, that's a 1013. But that just doesn't sound right. Like, like that doesn't sound like at all what was going on with us. No. But yet, that's what we got subjected to. And one of the biggest problems, I guess it sounds kind of selfish saying it, but one of the biggest issues I have with this whole process was obviously it affects Ashley. You know, she's stuck in that crazy situation and stuff, but it affects everyone around her too. She didn't, she missed school. I'm freaking out. Her mom was really worried. It was, it was just, it felt like an overreach of what was needed. And we, we, we kind of went in knowing at the baseline what, what she needed. And that was just someone to talk to, maybe prescribe some meds if needed, you know, because depression is one of those sort of spectrum illnesses where it can either be caused by your lifestyle, chemical imbalance, all sorts of different stuff. But all we were looking for was just general help. And then this th this happens. But wait, there's more. There's a lot more. <laughs> this is only the intro. Yeah. So around the same time that this big event with the guy in front of me was going on, I have a nurse coming to me saying, hey, we found a facility for you. We're just getting the, the papers processing. Okay, that's nice. I'd like to leave. Yes, please. Thank you. 
And I still don't realize that when they mean facility, they mean like mental hospital where you're still not able to contact anyone. Yep. I'm still just thinking, hey, there's a psychiatrist somewhere who can see me at two o'clock in the morning. And so eventually an ambulance comes in because I can't go on my own. And I get this nice ambulance ride. It's the most awkward thing in the world. I swear it is. Over to a small little place. It's dark out. I don't know where I am at all. Uh, The ambulance has like windows, but they're so darkly tinted that the only thing you can see is if a car parks behind the ambulance and there's lights on. That's the only thing you can see. So I walk into this little hospital looking area. It's tiny little thing. And it's just kind of a entryway, and I see two doors to my left and right, and a nurse comes out and kind of gets all the papers signed from the ambulance and all that kind of stuff. And she comes to me, and she's like, okay, we're going to strip you down. We're going to check you for things and all that kind of stuff. And they, they also had my clothes taken over, too, so I'd have my clothes later on. And she does exactly what she says she's going to do. She strips me down. She checks me for a lot of, like, marks on me, like, scars. And the only scars I have are, like, one on my hand where I had gotten burned a long time ago. Mm-hmm. That's a story in itself. Yeah, it is. Not as much of one, though. <laughs> and that's the only thing. So, I get sent into the door on my left. And this is an insane, like, picture to me. Because there are no windows here. It's almost like walking into the lobby of a haunted house. It was dark. It was barely well lit. And this building was clearly made in like the 40s or something like it. Long time ago. Very long time ago. Not well kept. No. And it's like solid brick and mortar. This is not a nice place to be. It's bricks and paint on top of them. On the inside? Yes. Somehow I missed that. I think it was because I was so Well, they ha- the area you were in was not that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you would never have seen that. I see. And that makes sense. So they'll, 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 for the visitor's section, they'll put some work in. But for everything else, they'll... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. No, like right. I was essentially <laughs> walking into jail here. A poorly lit jail room. And it had like a nurse station in the middle. And I was told to go sit in there, and they'd check me in and everything, and there was a lot of questions and stuff like that. And I was told that I would probably see a doctor, and this is Friday night or morning. So Saturday morning, Friday night. Yeah. So she checks me in, answers a lot of questions, and tells me that a doctor will probably see me in the morning. That's nice. So... I'm sent to a room. There's another lady there. I don't really know what's up with her, but she uh, she was already in bed, passed out. And they had given me some medicine because I told them that I have anxiety through the roof and that I'm, not, I'm just not going to be able to sleep here. And I get sent to the room, and I, I sit in the bed for a while, and then I do actually eventually fall asleep. But when I wake up, I'm almost crying already. Like... I had such a bad day. Um, I had broken down. This was the worst feeling I've ever had. Like, usually I eat well. I couldn't eat. I couldn't get myself to do anything at all. And then, like, at some point I did have to use the bathroom, of course. And 
I got to see what their bathrooms looked like, and it's, it, it wasn't good. This place was just disgusting. It's the best description, and it's one of the worst places to probably send someone if they have bad depression or something, because all it's going to do is make it worse. I understand that if you're going to hurt yourself, you probably need something like this, but it was just bad. I was scared out of my mind. Yeah, and uh, that goes that goes for both of us, because the constant worry I I always had, because I was trying to talk to her every day if I could, and trying to get some kind of an answer as to when she was getting out, and it was pretty much always, you know, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, mm-hmm. just maybe, you know, like, well, why maybe, like, why, she's pretty darn, like, normal, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you know Ashley, like, she's just kind of a childish happy little girl like who likes pokemon a little too much and <laughs> I, i'm just kidding she doesn't but um she's pretty normal outside of the you know the depression i i i would say most people deal with at some point in their life you know hers is a little more chronic for sure mm-hmm. you know and i acknowledge and i know people are going to say stuff like oh well you're not a professional blah blah, blah. it's like Fine. I know I'm not a professional. Fine. She said the S word. She got put into suicide watch. We we admit to these things. We're not, you know, we're not disparaging the people for doing the jobs. What we are doing is trying to raise some awareness as to what to expect to this process. Because, again, if you remember, no one told anyone that she was related to or anyone that she knew what was going on. No one said anything to anybody. What do you think that's going to do to you? How do you think that's going to make you feel about a loved one? Especially if you deal with anxiety like I do when things are not going right. Yeah, and my mom was just crazed because she she knew that I kind of had a history of having bad moments. And so when she heard that I was on suicide watch, she got really scared because she hadn't seen me in because she doesn't live around here. And in fact, the Friday that this happened, the Friday Thursday. after this happened, yeah. she, I was supposed to pick her up from the airport. And suddenly I was just cut off. She didn't know anything at all. And um, she was petrified. And then you missed school as well. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of things that, that were affected by this. And again, not trying to sound selfish here or anything, but... I guess it's just to sort of point out something else that that can happen is, and it's probably just because of the kind of person I am, but because I didn't know what was going on, I didn't know how to control it, uh, I didn't know how to deal with it. I'm sure those of you who kind of have active minds, you always go to the worst possible scenario, and you're always thinking, and you can't stop thinking, and so admittedly uh, I pretty much took that whole weekend <laughs> which was like three days I think and I just uh, I just kind of drank the thoughts away and I was doing uh, really good <laughs> I was like a month or more sober I was I was doing well I say sober mm-hmm. like I like I'm an alcoholic but I was just trying to stop drinking in general because it's not good to <laughs> drink a lot and do like this with the the work and the streaming and all the other stuff I'm trying to do. It's just better to not drink. But, you know, I it did affect me 
pretty extremely for a weekend and everything I was doing, I put on hold and my life is, is now halted, even though it didn't necessarily need to be because I didn't think I could do everything I was doing and, and have her on my mind, everything she's going through because I, I was drinking. I was also in VR chat trying to distract myself from thinking about her situation and, um, it's like any time, you know, I'd, I'd meet some people, I'd be having fun, whatever. But it's like any time uh, there was a moment of silence, any time anything, any time there was any dead air, uh, it's like my mind just snapped right back to it. And any time I got a call from her, I just dropped whatever I was doing. I, I talked to her. And speaking of, I called you 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock in the morning. And Friday morning. Yep. So I, when I was getting checked in, they let me call them. And... They told me that I might be able to get out once the nurse practitioner checked me out the next day or that day because, you know, it's Friday morning. No, this wasn't Friday morning. This was Saturday morning. Yeah, it was Saturday. It was Saturday morning. So I call him and I tell him, yeah, they say that the doctor might check me out and I might, might be able to get out today, Saturday. But that also I was still on involuntary admission i think they called it yeah so as they still don't know anything about me and they're trying to they're they're trying their best to keep me safe over keep me comfortable and they told me though that once the 1013 is lifted i'll be set to voluntary and i'll have the option to actually leave on my own and that's when i called james and I explained this to him, and then when I mentioned that they're going to put me on voluntary at some point and that I could just leave, they reminded me that there was a process to it that could take up to three days. So that, you might as well just wait it out. Yeah. Um, that doesn't sound very voluntary to me, but you know. So, yeah, again, I get the medicines, I go to sleep, and I cry. And see, I didn't know about all the crying. I cried a lot. I bet. So, that morning... Same morning, basically, but I'd gotten sleep by that point. Um, a doctor does come in, and she actually talks to the the roommate first. And I learned that this lady had been walking around um, in a daze. Uh, and she was 10-13'd in. And she said that she saw demons, or heard demons, or something like that. And the doctor even wrapped up with, do you have any superpower that you need to let me know about? And... Clearly, this lady, she seemed very normal. Maybe a little slow, but normal. But she says, no, she doesn't have a superpower, just that she hears demons. And, you know, that's a little off-putting. Again, I'm not like that. I'm not to that extent. And then I meet this man called E, is what I'm going to call him for right now, because I don't want to... uh, Yeah, no names. Yeah, no names. I'm calling him E, though. He was very loud. So, this area that I'm in is not actually that big. It's like if you took a regular-sized, maybe smaller house, uh, put the nurse station in the living room, and just had the hallway to a couple of rooms. And you could hear him from across the dang facility, clearly. And he was just... It's like he couldn't contain a phrase. Anything he thought would come out of his mouth. But again, this isn't what I am. This this isn't 
me. This is not a problem that I deal with. And um, later that day, a nurse practi- the nurse practitioner did actually come around and pulled me to her office. Like She was talking to most of these people just off to the side, but she actually pulled me into her office. And she asked me the typical questions and actually kind of gives me kind of a good, I guess, look down on my mental well-being. And she says that, um, she says that she's going to hold on to me because I was still kind of teary because I guess, screw me, I cried that morning because I was in a bad position. Oh, you're crying. We got to hold on to you for another day. Yeah. But she explained a lot of things to me. She actually diagnosed me with depression, which is what I was actually finally looking for. I wanted an answer and I got it. And I even had like questions about ADHD because maybe I'm dealing with that too. And she told me this very interesting thing. And this is just according to her. Apparently she teaches at a local university too. And she says, well, a lot of kids that were diagnosed with ADHD back in the 90s, 2000s are actually showing different mental problems today. And that now... Um, A lot of people who think they have ADHD actually have some other mental disorder like depression or bipolar disorder or something like that. So that was an interesting thing to learn. And she kind of sends me off. She changes where I am because apparently where I was put, this really scary area that I was put in was actually kind of a holding area because they don't know the kind of people that come in and they want to get a good mental pat down. And kind of gauge how safe they are. And so she kind of just says, okay, you're going to go into the other area now. Because you don't need to be in that area. And the other area was closer to something like an older primary care hospital. Or not hospital, but pediatrician's office type area. It's this ugly drab yellow color. But it was a lot safer feeling than what I had walked into in this facility. This area was used more as a detox for people with drug problems and alcohol issues. And really, I saw maybe two other people that were there that had uh, the suicidal element to them, that they were depressed and suicidal. Um, Both of them did have marks on their wrists, and by marks, I do mean the bad kind. I still was not at this point. But my understanding was that a doctor wouldn't be in until Monday to actually, once again, go over what I would be experiencing. But the time that I spent there, like at this point, things relax, I guess. Um, I do spend the weekend in this facility and all I have in my room, and this room is maybe 10 foot by 5 foot, like it was tiny with a bed in the middle. And that was it. And I didn't even get a pillow. Like, it was just a flat mattress and a blanket and a sheet. And it was suggested to me to use the blanket as a pillow. Because I guess, for some reason, a pillow's not dangerous, but a, or a pillow's dangerous, but a blanket isn't. I don't know. But that's what I do. And I am told that I get to have, like, drawing stuff because finally I'm not a danger to myself, I guess. And my mom brings them to me. That Saturday, yeah, same day. How about that? She does bring that stuff to me. And when I go up and I get it from the office, they tell me that I can't have the pencils. Oh. Yeah. They tell me, like, the doctor who put me into the 
new ward tells me that I can have this stuff, but the nurses apparently have to go to the, through their supervisor or something, so I can't have the pencils. I can just have the paper. So I take the paper, and because I have nothing better to do, and I don't know these people, and I'm still scared, I start playing with it. And I, t- I happen to remember, like, origami from elementary school. So I start just folding paper cranes because that's just what you go to when you're in stress, I guess. Overall, I guess I enjoyed the time afterwards after being scared. I get on medicine and I get some nice little friends. Friends that you probably won't see for a while. Mm -mm. I've officially been to two AA meetings because, you know, I'm an alcoholic now, I guess. Actually, it was because it helps the other people. It's just like emotional support, basically. Yeah. And so, it all goes pretty fluidly. And then Monday, um, the nurse comes, the nurse practitioner comes to me and she says, you don't need to be here. You didn't need to be here at all. And the doctor that sent you, she's already known for 1013-ing a lot of things. Okay. She tells me that they had tried to call the facility. Yep, yep. Because they called me about that. Mm-hmm. They, they tried to call the facility, but because I didn't give them permission to talk to me, or explicit permission to talk to me, they acted like I wasn't even there. It's so they ended up calling me while I'm at work saying, hey, can you get a hold of your wife and t- make sure the nurses are treating this thing that we found in like her blood or whatever. It's nothing serious. It's just, you know, but <laughs> this is this is the system we're working with, people. This is the system. It 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 feels more like a process than actually like a, a, a helpful system. And I'm sure for some people it is helpful. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure being in a place where you have a little more support than maybe you, you might have outside of something like that, you know, it 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 works. I've read a, a few stories because of this where it seemed like they just needed to be disconnected from whatever their life was before going there. And I get that. The reason we're talking about this is just because it it really negatively affected both of our lives. Um, I think I'm okay now. She uh, is hopefully okay now. Yeah, I actually <laughs> get to have psychiatrists sorry i actually get to see a psychiatrist um soon about what i was wanting to get the problem here is that i couldn't seem to talk to my family doctor about this thing without having to go through an entire weekend of what was like hell this was something that i didn't need to go through there are people who do need this there are people who are dangerous to themselves or to others around them that need a place to stabilize. I was not one of them. So ultimately what we're saying is normally someone like you is more stabilized, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, the facility I was at. But you went to go seek the help that you were sure that you needed. Mm -hmm. And you got way more than what we were Mm -hmm. expecting, what everyone was expecting. Mm -hmm. The facility that I was at was labeled as a crisis center. The only crisis in this point in my life was that I was even there. Right. So, uh, I guess as far as this whole situation goes, if there's anything to take from it, is be aware that this can happen to people around you or to yourself, depending on what you say to whom. 
that being said, if you actually do want to hurt yourself, seek help. Yeah, and it's not just yourself. It's others. If you feel like you could be a danger. Because, you know, again, there, there's folks who need sort of that, that disconnect and that and that focus support. Mm-hmm. We get that. Mm-hmm. But then there's cases like this. And so I guess if you are looking for help, <laughs> because let's be honest, we don't know our doctors. They definitely don't know us. They know things about us, but... I feel like any doctor who hears like the S word as we as yeah. we're calling it, um, I almost can't blame them. I feel like if you're looking for mental health health help in this um, in this scenario, uh, maybe just say something along the lines of, "Hey, I'm looking for someone to help me with my mental health." But even that, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know how to word it. They're always going to ask you questions further, and it's really hard not to tell the full truth. Simply because you want them to understand what you're going through. Right. Exactly. And that's where I got caught up. I wanted to express the whole truth. This is what I'm going through, and I think I need help. Anyway, that's that's more or less what, what's been going on with us. And, again, I'm well aware that there are things that, that led to this. Um, I think 90% of the reason I'm I'm really angry is just because... I don't feel like the people involved in Ashley's life were given a fair explanation of anything. We weren't notified, nothing. They didn't make sure they had the numbers or anything. They they, they didn't ask, you know. I'm sure at the doctor's office, you you know, you have like the emergency contact or whatever and you have to write that down. They didn't even uh, granted they're two different, you know, there's a hospital and and the and the general practitioner, but they didn't communicate and she came from the general practitioner. So, listen, I know I'm a layman. I know, I don't know, like, all the inner workings, but... (laughs) There should be some kind of better screening, maybe even at the emergency room, that could have said that you don't need a facility. I would have waited 24 hours just for someone to say that to me. Sure, yeah. Um, Get an actual psychiatrist instead of a, a social worker. You know, no offense to social workers, I guess, but I just don't get it. I don't get why this was necessary and why we were put through this turmoil. And then there's another thing. We don't know if we're even going to get like some kind of a bill for this. Uh, Yeah. We only know the emergency room bill. Yeah. And that was more or less paid for. So basically she gets locked up. I get charged $150 for my wife to sit in a room for two days with all that crap going on. Apparently I didn't even know about that till now. Mm -hmm. And then she gets put away for three days. I have, probably two of the worst work days in my life because I'm stuck at work doing the most boring, like easy to do, don't have to pay attention to anything work ever. So my mind is just constantly wondering if everything's going to be okay, if she's going to get out in a timely fashion uh, today, tomorrow, next week, two weeks from now, um, two months, you know, I know it sounds extreme, but that's what, that's what people like me do. We worry. And it just, this whole situation, is it was hell. It was just five days of, of hell. It was really bad. And we just wanted to talk about this and release something on it because I feel like people need to know sort of what's, what's possible, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, I know I'm reiterating, if you really are bad off, look for it. 
I don't think it's all bad. I really don't. No. like This what, was just a bad scenario. Go ahead. Yeah, what I went through would have been perfectly fine if there was actually any immediate danger at all. Yeah. But um, I guess I'll plug a couple of things real quick. Mm-hmm. Just because you're on the show. Okay. So before we uh, sign out here, um, obviously follow me at Dak Talk on, on Twitter. Uh, but my wife... Um, if she's up, if she's up for it anyway, she does commissions. Do I? <laughs> you have in the past. <laughs> I guess I have. And you have said time and time again how you'd love to make some some money off of your artwork, and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty reasonable pricing. It's you know, but you can actually follow her at um, what was it at PK Catherine? PK Catherine. PK underscore Catherine. Catherine K A T H R Y N. Yeah. So if you want to contact her and ask for some pictures or whatever <laughs> yeah and if you want a reference for my style i drew the one for his soundcloud yeah uh, well, well it's just my podcast in general well yeah that's on everything uh, yeah i drew that and then there's a couple of pictures that he uses when he streams like there's a sans picture that i drew forever ago yeah i gotta find that and put it back up on something. yeah but yeah um Anyway, that's that's us. That was the situation. That's why um, I kind of reached out to all the devs and people I was talking to and said, hey, you know, I really don't know if I can do this right now because I don't know how long it's going to last and yada yada. Uh, luckily, it ended and we kind of picked the pieces back up and, and got things going again. So uh, I appreciate all the support that, that you guys give. I appreciate any listens, uh, any lurks, whatever. <laughs> um, you guys are really special to me. Um, it's really been awesome to see a nobody like me get, uh, around, I think it's over a hundred listens in, in a month. And, um, that's felt pretty incredible. I just, I want to keep this mo- momentum going. I want to keep getting better. I want to keep talking to people and I want to grow and help others grow. And so I guess with that being said, um, keep an eye out. We've got more stuff coming down the pipeline. And this has been Dactyl signing off. How about you, Ashley? Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> hey, guys. A little side note here. Um, the timeline's probably not going to be perfectly correct because uh, I had to edit this and then release it after a couple of other episodes. And I had a couple of people check it out just to make sure I wanted to release it. So uh, just keep that in mind when, when I said, like, oh, uh, you know, like the Thursday before last or whatever, That that's not correct. (laughs) So uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.